If you have a Bible, take it and turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and as we begin our time in the scriptures today in this first ever virtual service for our church due to the coronavirus outbreak, I just want to say as a pastor and as a brother in Christ and as a friend that it's okay if you are not okay. If you are nervous or you are scared or you are angry or you are fearful or you're feeling any other combination of emotions, it's okay. Uh, sometimes we as the church can be too quick to say that everything is fine and we don't allow room for being children of God who are also just human beings. And we are those who believe, but we are also those who need the Lord to help us in our unbelief. And so to that end, my desire today is to communicate hope, to say that we have every reason in the world to not be thrown into a panic because of what's happening around us, to recognize on the one hand that none of us have ever dealt with anything like this before. Um, could I have a, a show of hands of anyone who has gone through a global pandemic before? Uh, I'm assuming no one is raising their hand, and so I, I'm also assuming that none of us have gone through this before. So we're all kind of figuring this out together. Uh, but on the other hand, I want us to see that there's there's nothing new under the sun. And that the God who has helped his people throughout all times is the same one who's going to help us here in 2020. So it's okay to feel shaken. It's okay to feel confused and scared. The, the key is to not stay there, but rather to turn to the truth of the scriptures uh, the love of the Father, the sympathetic heart of Jesus, the comfort of the Spirit, and the grace of the body of Christ. To turn to all of these things and to trust. And know that even if our faith or our trust feels weak, it's not the strength of our faith that matters, but rather the strength of the one that we are trusting in that really matters. I've said this to some of you before, but in his book, Trusting God, Jerry Bridges says that the scriptures call us to hold on to certain truths about who God is when we feel like we're losing our faith. Uh, to to um, hold on to certain truths about the character of God when we're struggling to, to trust him. He says that we should remember three things about God. One, that he is good. Two, that he is in control. And three, that he is wise. So when things start to, to spiral out of control, even if it's just in your own mind, we can trust that God is good, that he is loving and gracious and kind, that God is sovereign, that he, he is in control, and that God is wise beyond what we can see. It's uh, three weeks before Easter, and so we're going to plan to think on these three truths over the coming weeks, and today... In Luke 12, I want us to be reminded of the goodness of God, of his, his love, his kindness, his grace towards us when we are weak. Luke 12 is not going to exhaust the subject of God's goodness, but I trust that a few simple thoughts might prove to be helpful from Luke 12. We studied this passage back in June of 2014 when we were in our series in the Gospel of Luke, which means that Mark Pedrosa probably has the outline written in the margin of his Bible. Uh, and so, Mark, I'm going to simplify a little bit, so don't be surprised if it's not exactly the same. Uh, but if you have your Bible open, look at Luke chapter 12, and I want to read verses 1 through 7. Luke 12, verses 1 through 7. 
God's word says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he, that is Jesus, began to, to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. As we wrestle with fear, and uncertainty about many things in our world right now, God's word to us today is very simple. It is fear, but do not fear. Fear, but do not fear. As we think about that simple idea, consider first the, the context of this passage. In chapter 11, Jesus took the Pharisees to task uh, in a series of woes against them and their hypocrisy, so much so that Luke says, in chapter 11, verses 53 and 54, it says, As he, Jesus, went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him, to catch him in something he might say. Jesus had upset them, and so they sought to trap him. But the response of the crowds was very different. Luke 12, 1 tells us that the crowds continued to gather around Jesus to the point that people were trampling on one another. They were not practicing social distancing. Uh, they were trying to get as close to Jesus as they could. And in that moment, Jesus warned his disciples against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, against the, the false religion and the play acting that they were all about. And he warned them, we're told in verse 2, against this hypocrisy in light of, verse 2 says, the fact that nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Jesus warned that there is a day coming when everything would be brought to light, and so therefore hypocrisy is futile. We know this is the, that this coming day is the day of the Lord. It's, it's the promised return of Jesus when the fullness of the kingdom is realized and King Jesus judges all the nations. And yet in our day, here and now, there seems to be a revealing of sorts, a, a shaking up of everything. A revelation of where our hope is. It feels like a preview of the day of revealing. What is it revealing about us? What is it revealing about our world? What is it revealing about your heart? This shaking, this revealing, could reveal a number of things. But Jesus tells us how we should respond. And in light of the coming revelation, the text tells us to fear but do not fear. So first in verse 4, we're, we're told not to fear threats to our physical lives. Specifically, verse 4 is talking about those who would kill the body. It seems to be talking about people who would, would kill us. It's most likely a reference to physical persecution for faith in Christ. That kind of persecution would have been a reality that the disciples 
would face in the not-too-distant future. It was a reality probably for Luke's first and early readers. Um, I don't know if anyone's trying to kill you right now. Probably not. But we certainly understand this fear of death right now. Even apart from the coronavirus, we all face the reality of death every day. It's just a little bit more real right now. And in light of how fragile our lives are, these words of Jesus call us out of fear. And they tell us that we do not need to be afraid because the worst thing that a person or a virus could ever do to us is kill us. That's the worst it can do, is kill our physical bodies. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of that. Now, let's be honest, it's, it's natural to not want to die. I think that's part of what's behind all of the extensive measures, is no one wants to die, and that's natural. It's natural to even fear death. But the supernatural love of God and the deep reality of who the Father is can actually free us from fear of physical death. Notice in the text that this command to not fear physical death is set in direct contrast to what we are to fear. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. Verse 5, but, contrast, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. So verse 4 tells us not to fear those that can kill our physical bodies. Verse 5 tells us to fear God. Fear God. Why? Well, because God has authority, it says. He is the one who gives life, and he is the one who takes life. Even those who would kill us do not have the authority to take our lives unless it is granted by God. No virus can take the breath of life away from us apart from the will of God. God in heaven. But even more sobering is that God alone has the authority, not just over our physical bodies, but over our eternal souls. God alone can take us to himself or cast us into hell. And so we must fear God because the greatest enemy of our soul is not physical death, it's unforgiven sin. If we die without knowing the forgiveness of sins, without having an advocate in Christ, then we will stand before the God who knows all things on that great day of revelation, and we will have no hope of salvation. All will be revealed. And apart from Christ, we have no hope in this life or in the next. The fear of God often means that we have a reverential respect for God in the scriptures, but there has to be a sense in this verse of being truly terrified at how terrible, ter how, about how awesome and powerful God is. We need to bow before this great God. We need to recognize that he holds the keys to death and hell. That he will one day cast Satan and all who have believed his lies into the lake of fire for all eternity. Our God is not a God to be trifled with. If all will be revealed before this great and awesome God, we should fear him. But verses 6 and 7 also tell us, do not fear God. Don't fear God. Did you notice how Jesus began this section in, in verse 4? What does he call his disciples? He says, I tell you, my friends. He calls his disciples, his followers, his 
his friends. And then he makes it clear that there's no need to fear God for those who know him and who are known by him. We must fear God. But for all who repent of their sins and trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we do not need to fear God in an ultimate sense. Why? Because Jesus says here that he knows us and he values us. Do not fear God. Why? Because God knows you and he values you. People today are valuing a few things. They're valuing their health and their families and their toilet paper. What does God value? He values his children. Sisters and brothers, you are worth something. God is for you. He is on your side. Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater in these two examples that are found in the text. He, he first talks about sparrows, and then he, he talks about the hairs on our heads. So first, sparrows. Sparrows were sold five for two pennies, probably in the temple which means they were probably two for a penny, but if you bought four, then you got the fifth one free. So in other words, sparrows were cheap. And we're told that God cares for every single one of them, even the fifth free one. What about your hair? Jesus says that every hair on our heads is numbered, which is more impressive for some than for others. Uh, but God cares enough about us to know something about our physical bodies that we don't even I don't know how many hairs are in my head. The, the point then is that if, if God cares about the sparrows, and if God cares about the hairs on your head, then of course he cares about you. You are valued. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in the midst of all that is happening, don't forget that God is for you. God is pulling for you. If you if you've felt this week like everything is against you, know that God is for you. He is he is looking, he's not looking at our lives trying to find something wrong. He's, he's on our team. He's not seeking our harm. He's seeking our good. He has not abandoned us. He is with us. He is cheering us on. He is strengthening us. He is pulling for us. God is with us and God values you. If you feel discarded or you feel ugly or you feel rejected or you feel worthless or you feel helpless or you feel fearful, know that you are highly valued by God. By the God who knows all things. God is for us and he values us even though he knows everything about us. Because Jesus knows us. And he's made us acceptable before the Father. To know that in Christ we are known and valued by God is something that casts out all fear. Even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not need to fear any evil because the Lord is with us. And he is for us. And as John says in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. In fact, 1 John 4 connects the love of God to that final day of revelation, but also to love for one another. I won't take the time to walk through everything that this passage says, but here this, this extended portion from 1 John 4. I want to read verse, verses 13 through 21 of 1 John 4. John writes, by this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, for the day of revealing, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The perfect love of God in Christ casts out all fear. But it also causes us to love others. The love of Christ in us causes us to image the love of God to one another and to the world. And as we love others, we, we show them the love of God that can cast out all of their fear. As we think about it right now, loving our neighbor primarily looks like staying at home as much as possible, which seems strange. But it may also look like supporting a small business. It might look like suffering a little bit and getting some takeout sushi from Misawa so we can support Russell and Amy and their employees. It might look like picking up groceries for someone who can't get to the store. It might look like checking in on those who are in the medical field and make sure they're doing okay because things are hard. Supporting those who have lost their jobs. Or just calling someone every day and checking in on them. It certainly looks like praying for one another preaching the gospel to one another and to those who are far from God. And, and as we love one another in these ways, we as, as God's children are tangibly speaking forth the truth that God knows and values his people. And the truth of that kind of love casts out fear. The reality of that kind of practical love, love in action, casts out fear in a day where everyone is very scared. This passage tells us that a day of great revealing is coming. And today's global pandemic is a good preview of what that day is going to be like. All will be revealed. And knowing that we're called not to fear physical death, but to fear God, the judge of all the earth. And if we're his children, then we're also encouraged not to fear him, but to rest in his love and to reflect his love to all people. Put your hope in God and know that he is good. I want to read some words of benediction from a later portion of, of the Gospel of Luke. Actually, the same chapter, Luke 12, but verses 22 through 24. So this is a benediction from Luke 12, 22 through 34, and also from number 6. Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, again with the birds, right? 
And said to the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.